everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one half of the show. My name is Jeff. The other half, as always, joining us from the Seattle-Tacoma greater regional area. It is Mark A. Johnston. Mark, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Justin. To go with this new year, I have a brand new microphone set up. We're all very excited. No one more than myself, but I'm, I'm sure everybody is very excited about that. I'm sure I'll get all kinds of emails. Well, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Let's talk about some baseball. What do you say? It's kind of okay. That, that, that sounds like something we would do on a baseball history podcast. New year, new leaf, right? Let's do something different. Yeah. And to do that, Mark, of course, we got to start off with our, our BP segment here to get us ready for uh, this week's show. Now, I saw something on social media that this guy uh, a couple of years ago, it was actually two years ago, was opening some baseball cards, something we do here, and he got a Topps Redemption card. You send it in and you get an authenticated random piece of MLB memorabilia from an all-star player. And they send yes. it to you. So this guy, it took two years, but he finally got this uh, this piece that he, he had won. And uh, it was none other than game-worn pants of one Mr. Wander Franco. Wow, I bet those were valuable about a year ago. Yikes! Well, the, the, he he was actually worried that it could be needed as a piece of evidence <laughs> to get that DNA sample. Oh, geez! How disappointing! I mean, getting a pair of pants is probably pretty disappointing in the first place. I mean, you it's want a, a jersey, weird. yeah, or a hat, or a batting glove, right? Or, you know, stirrups or shoes or something, and you get pants and then from wander franco like i said it probably was pretty cool at the time probably couldn't get much for it on ebay anymore no probably not that's a very disappointing get right there something i definitely uh, talk about a lot here is uh, wade boggs and it's always sunny in philadelphia because i love that show and wade boggs has been on twice in uh, a very seminal episode the the second one not so seminal but He's embracing this beers legend that we've talked about in the past, and he has teamed up with none other than PBR, Pabst Blue Ribbon, which is strange because I don't think that's what he was supposed to have been drinking when when this myth was born way back when. But he's got this promo. I've got a picture of it here in front of me. It's called Beers on Bogs. You save $2 on Pabst Blue Ribbon when you buy a 12-pack from participating retailers bonus yeah you can go to the website bogsisblue.com to get more information i have not done that because i didn't care that much about it but i thought it was interesting that that he got that i i would think he'd still be stocked up from beer from gary's old town tavern that they would be supplying him with with plenty of beer right why would they not be let's see tommy fam remember when he had a had an issue with fantasy football and gotten a little little slapping match with, uh, was it Jock Peterson? I think so, yeah. Yeah, in center field. <laughs> well, he finally got his championship. Well, good for him. Well, yeah, good for, good, for, good for you, Tommy. He finally won his league. Whoever he beat in the championship game, their name is Chocolate Starfish, which wow. I, I assume that they're either a fan of uh, Limp Biscuit or they're just like us that, you know, Fifth grade humor is funny. Right. Josh Rowich, 
Rawich. I'm not sure how you say his name. He is the president of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He has been married for 28 years, according to this post he made on Twitter. And uh, he said that he was looking at a baseball reference page the other day, as we all do, and his wife uh, was there with him, and he wanted to see how many categories she could name. So, you know, HR is home run and, and so on and so forth. They got to P.A. And she asked, uh, well, she didn't ask, she answered, if that's the number of times the PA announcer said their name. It it kind of is, though, right? Well, yeah, actually, it probably is within a, within a couple or maybe even dead on. Yeah. I was trying to come up with times when that wouldn't be the case. And like a pinch runner, you're not going to get a plate appearance for that. Right. Uh, pitchers, definitely not. Defensive substitutions, probably not. But right. for the most part, that's pretty pretty much on. It's a good answer. It is a good answer. I mean, I'd have to give her credit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Chuck D, are you a fan? I am, actually. I am, too. I'm uh, I'm a pretty big fan, Chuck D. He's a big baseball fan. He has, I'm not sure how new it is, but I think it's his latest album, and it's called We Wreck Stadiums. Okay. And on it, it says it is a homage to rap and baseball. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. And it is Old school hip hop, if you like that. And I I don't know if this is funny or not. To me, it was funny, but I I think I'm hilarious. I was thinking, how do you explain old school hip hop to boomers? And I would tell them, well, it means it's rap that you can understand what's being said. But I think then that makes me sound like a boomer and I don't want that. But I listened to this whole album and it is awesome. It goes hard, man. I really I like it. This. One of the songs is called The Cobra. You can guess what that's about. I'm going to guess Dave Parker. You got it. Let's see. There is one that like was really actually kind of depressing, but in a moving way. And it, it was titled, It's So Hard to See My Baseball Cards Move On. And it was all about players who passed away in 2020. Okay. It is absolutely a fantastic album, especially if you like old school hip hop. Even if you don't, but you're a baseball fan, I'd really recommend this. It is a great album. It's called We Wreck Stadiums, and it's definitely worth a listen. Sounds awesome. See, elsewhere, the Padres recently signed out of Korea a reliever, Wusuk Go. Yes. This is something I did not know. He is married to the Giants' new leadoff batter, Young Ho Lee. I not, did not what, know that No, either. I'm sorry. I think I said he was married <laughs> to him. No, he's married to Young Ho Lee's sister. I'm sorry. That was, I see. I, that was breaking news for everybody there. The Boy, way I guess. Originally said that. But I saw a picture. She's not hard to look at. Uh-huh. I'm going to say that. Neither is he, actually. They look like a made-for-TV reality show together. But this is not the first time a Giants player has married the sister of another player, and this I did not know. Brandon Crawford, longtime shortstop for the Giants, is married to Garrett Cole's sister. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that either. I did not. I saw a picture of Garrett Cole's sister. She likewise, not hard to look at. Yeah, I can imagine that that Brandon could could get a nice looking girl. Yeah, he's got that flow too, that hair, man. Very jealous. Uh, This is the last thing I I wanted to touch on. I saw an interesting thread on Reddit this week that was equivalent to that meme with uh, Andy. Is it Andy from Parks and Rec? 
Chris Pratt is that I think his name's Andy in Parks and Rec. I have no idea. Might not be. I don't know. Don't don't uh, don't hit me up on Kangaroo Court for that. But he's got a meme where you know it says essentially at this point I'm too afraid to ask. You seen that meme? I haven't. So it's essentially you know just something that is. I don't know. People might think it's commonplace knowledge. It's in the news that there's a lot of information about, but you don't know anything about. And at this point, you're too more. It's you're too embarrassed to ask. But this was yeah, about should... baseball. And this was a, this is a shocker to say, but it it was a great thread on Reddit. There was no judgment being cast by anybody here. And users just asked the baseball questions that they felt everybody knew but them. And they were just too afraid or too embarrassed to ask. One of the few times that there were no snarky answers, there was just legit baseball discussion and knowledge being exchanged. And it was great. And it got me to thinking, what would my question be? And I think <laughs> I I think I decided what it is. I'm going to ask you what yours is so you can think about this while I tell you what mine is. I still have no idea what kind of pitch is being thrown nine out of ten times. Even when it comes to fastballs, the four seam, a two seam, then you got cutters and, and all and sinkers. And playing MLB the show's kind of helped me um know how these pitches typically react. But putting that to use practically when I'm watching a, a game on TV has not helped at all. I sat right behind home, played in Atlanta, for, and had three of the best starting pitchers to ever play. Still couldn't tell. And when I'm actually playing baseball now, I'm in the dugout and my teammates are telling me, hey, this guy's throwing from a different slot when he throws his changeup. Keep an eye out for that. And I just nod my head and go up there and just try to swing and make contact. So I, I have still very little clue. A lot of broadcasts are now telling you the miles per hour and the pitch type right there. So it's easy and it's helping a little bit, but I still generally have no clue as to what they are. Plus, what's a sweeper compared to a slider these days and all that kind of stuff. What would your too afraid to ask baseball question be at this point? I I would ask this. How does one run out of options? I know that one. Okay. So you you're before you make your big league debut, you have so many options. I think it might be three. I don't know what it is exactly. But when you get called up, if you then get sent down, that's one of your options. Now, that means it's essentially broken up into seasons, though. You get called up and get sent down that first time. Okay, there's an option. But for the rest of that season, you can go up and down, and that's still your first option. So okay. you can essentially do that if you've got three options, if that does happen to be the number. It's essentially three years that a team can bring you up to the big league and then send you back down. That fourth year, though, you're out of options. And they have to put you on the waiver wire. If you pass through, then you, they can be sent down or they can refuse and become a free agent, that sort of thing. But that is what an option is, if, if yeah, that see, helps. That, that, that does help. I was confused because I'd see guys getting called up and sent down multiple times. Yep. And I was like, well, how is he not out of options yet? But it, as it's done by season, now that makes more sense. I was in the exact same boat and I don't remember if I asked somebody, if somebody, more than likely, probably somebody explained it on a broadcast just like two years ago, I think. So same boat. Yeah. It always confused me. No, that's a good question right there. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Listeners, maybe we should do, 
maybe we should have a an entire episode where we just do that. Just have people send in, uh, you know, hey, I'm too afraid to ask at this point. Also, you can just look it up on the internet, but that's not as much fun. No, it's better for us if you ask us. Yes. And, and if you don't want us to use your name, we won't. We'll just we'll just say it's Mark every time. That's fine with me. I have no reputation anyway. Uh, let's see. We did not have a trivia question last week. We did get some answers. I asked the question of uh, if Ricky Henderson and Nolan Ryan switched bodies, who would have the better career? Would it be Ricky as a starting pitcher or Nolan Ryan as an outfielder and leadoff batter? And I said that it would undoubtedly be uh, Nolan Ryan. Uh, we got several responses. Then they all said Ricky Henderson. Hmm. So I don't, I mean, he had a noodle for an arm, especially at the end of his he career, did, but he was but a left, he threw exactly. left-handed. Yeah. He's so. a lefty. A lot of lefties throw junk and Ricky was such an athlete. He probably could have learned to throw pretty much any pitch. He might still be playing today. He, he probably is out there like in a pickup game or something. Did Julio Franco throw left-handed? Cause he would probably, a left-handed I, knuckleballer. You could just I go believe forever. He was a righty. Yeah. Uh, I do have a trivia question uh, for this week, though. Uh, how many position players in the history of the game have ever gotten the final out of a playoff clinching game? Ooh. Wow, I didn't know there were any. Or is the answer zero? I can tell you. That's, oh, okay. that's a good option, though. It could be zero. It'd be weird if it was, because, you know, why would you ask? But, hey, maybe you're just being tricky. That I always hated that when you get a multiple choice test and you're like, all right, well, this will be easy because I got multiple choices, but the last choice is always none of the above. Right. That always uh, pissed me off. Yeah. Why, why ask the question if it's none of the above? They're just, I mean, just don't make it multiple choice if you're going to try and fool me like that. Yeah. All right. That's enough for BP. Let's go ahead and get into the main part of the show. And Mark, it is your turn this week to entertain us. Okay. So I was going to talk this week about an interesting pair of ball players that are remembered, well, not just remembered for, but are remembered for a picture that they took together. And uh, those players are Steve Gromek and Larry Doby. Now, we know who Larry Doby is, first black player in the American League. He had to go through some of the same stuff that Jackie Robinson went through, racist taunts, from fans opposing players, hotels they weren't allowed to stay in, restaurants that they weren't allowed to stay in, and even hostility from teammates. Doby came up in 47 and didn't have the best year. Hit 156 and only 32 at-bats, mostly as a pinch hitter. And so they, they, Cleveland wasn't even sure they were going to bring him back in 48. But he did have a big breakout season in 1948. And he helped Cleveland to the World Series, where they played the Boston Braves and Johnny Sane. Now, it's interesting that Boston at that time had two teams, American League team, the Red Sox, and the National League team, the Braves. And the uh, Cleveland had uh, tied the Red Sox for the pennant and had a one-game playoff, which they won. So that put them up against the other Boston team, the Braves. So Cleveland just played Boston for the whole playoffs that year. When he first came to play with Cleveland, he was not completely accepted. He said, I walked down that line and stuck out my hand and very few hands came back in return. 
Most of the ones that did were cold fish handshakes, along with a look that said, you don't belong here. Now, I couldn't believe how this was. I put on my uniform and went out on the field to warm up, but nobody wanted to warm up with me. I had never been so alone in my life. I stood there alone in front of the dugout for five minutes. Then Joe Gordon, the second baseman who would become my friend, came up to me and asked, hey, rookie, you're going to just stand there or do you want to throw a little? I will never forget that man. So the Indians brought in Chris Speaker, Hall of Famer and former manager for Cleveland to basically to give Dobie an opportunity to learn more about the big leagues, put him to work every day and teaching him as much as he can. He can it, there's not a lot of players you could get better information from than Tris Speaker because he was transitioning from second base to center field. Now, it, it definitely was an odd-looking idea because allegedly, I say allegedly, Tris Speaker had once been a member of the Ku Klux Klan and referred to the Civil War as the War of Northern Aggression. So, so it was kind of weird, but the, they got along very well. A quote from Tris Speaker said, in another year or two, he could be the best player in this league. I've never seen a young ball player with such a high potential. I get a personal pleasure out of working with a kid who can do so many things so well. I used to dream of that kind of rookie when I was managing Cleveland. We all did, Tris. And it wasn't actually until July of 48 that Dobie finally got a black teammate and Bill Vex signed him. And you might have heard of him, the great Satchel Page. Yeah, I think we've talked about him before once. Yeah, maybe has slid him into a conversation or something. So we're going to jump now to, okay, the postseason. They're up against Boston. It's game four, all right? And it's two games to one, Cleveland. So they're playing in Cleveland at Municipal Stadium, more than 80,000 fans that day. So no pressure. Johnny Sane was on the mound for Boston. It was the second time he won game one and he was back out for game four. And uh, Steve Gromek, who spent actually 13 of his 17 years with Cleveland, the other four with Detroit, he got called on for game four and he actually pitched very well, only allowing one run. And Cleveland did not hit a ton, but like they only got five hits. But Larry Doby, of course, came up and just mashed a 425-foot solo shot to right center, making the game 2-1. to one. Here's a, a quote for you. It's from the Dayton Daily News. Steve Bromack, only 27, but seemingly stigmatized in the past three years as just another wartime phenomenon, emerged this afternoon as a pitcher of positive post-war stature. See, I didn't ever think about that being a thing. Oh, he was just a wartime player when everybody else was gone. But in this moment, Steve proved himself to be a real Major League Baseball player. And, and like I said, he went on to play 17, 17 years. years. Yeah. Cleveland first and then Detroit. Interestingly, just some stuff about the game. It was one of the shortest World Series games ever. One hour and 31 minutes. Which, if you listen to the show, you know how much Jeff and I appreciate quick games. That's impossible in the World Series these days with the three-minute in-between inning breaks. and Yeah. They, they didn't have to worry so much about advertising back then. I'm not sure. We probably have talked about first televised game or two, but this one took an hour 31. So I don't think they were worried too much about uh, commercial time. There was an interesting bet between Boston Mayor James Curley 
and Cleveland Mayor Thomas Burke. Their wager was Curley put up 100 pounds of baked beans against Cleveland's putting up a, a wooden Indian. So I'd much rather would get the lifetime supply of baked beans personally. I thought you were going to say uh, Curley and the other was mayor was Mo. He, I think his like the assistant mayor was Mo. Oh, okay. And uh, chief of staff was Larry. Yeah, I think that's where it came from. Eddie Robinson went two for three in the game. I point this out to show that uh, he was the last surviving member of the 1948 Cleveland team. He died in 2021 at age 100. It would have been awesome to get him on the show. But, uh, you know, we didn't know anything about him, unfortunately. So they have this great game. Gromek pitches a great game. Dobie hits this amazing home run to win the game. And so after the game, they're back in the locker room and Dobie walks over and throws his arm around Steve Bromack in the clubhouse and they embrace and they, you can find the photo anywhere. Just look up Bromack Dobie. It's a famous picture. So they embrace cheek to cheek with giant smiles on their faces. And the Cleveland Plain Dealer took a picture of that moment. They, it was very popular. They sold it to the AP, the Associated Press. And the AP sent it all over to different newspapers across the country. So it, it's like that time's version of going viral is what it is. A lot of Americans saw this as a symbol of progress. When back when black players were not, you know, they were tolerated, but not exuberantly embraced. And of course, there were other people who thought it was terrible. So Larry Doby, here's a quote from him. Years later, he said, that was a feeling from within, the human side of two people, one black and one white. That made up for everything I went through. I would always relate back to that whenever I was insulted or rejected from hotels. I'd always think about that picture. It would take away all the negatives. He also said that it was special. It was the first time anyone showed feelings toward me, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, towards an African-American. Until then, they had been distant, cool. And Gromet got criticized for what he did back home. I think it was the first picture taken of that type, the first picture of a black American and a white American embracing each other that went out all over the country. Dobie's home run, by the way, was the first by a black player in the World Series. Yeah. He hit 318. We mentioned that last week because we mentioned the Congressional Medal of Honor that he won. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, just I'm building off of last week's uh, mention. (laughs) (laughs) Larry Doby Jr. Uh, was interviewed about this picture in 2020, and he said that was probably the most special moment in his career. Uh, it was just two guys who were expressing an unbridled joy over accomplishing a common goal. I think that picture really encapsulates what that journey and the hardships meant to him. Gromek, in 2002, told uh, the Cleveland Plains dealer, it seemed in the picture like I was kissing him. I was being interviewed in front of my locker and somebody asked Larry to come over. He put his arm around me and squeezed me so hard I thought he was going to break my ribs. We were both so happy. Now, here's the sad part. Not everyone was so happy. That winter, Steve came home and got the cold shoulder from a lot of people. He lives in Hamtramck, Michigan. And he got angry letters, told him he was words I won't use. He, He remembered walking into a bar, a neighborhood bar that off season. And a buddy of his that he used to play ball with was in there. And he went over to talk to him. And the guy says to him, 
you could have just shaken his hand. But there were other players or other friends of his says, man, uh, here's a quote. If I was in Steve's shoes and Doby did what he did, I would have kissed him. So, <laughs> which is my feelings as well. You pitch that good and somebody saves you by hitting a big home run. I, I wouldn't mind kissing him. I, I, I agree. Greg Gromex, Steve's son, in 2016 said some of his friends really reacted negatively. They said things that were sort of shocking to him. What bothered him was that these were his friends. He kept thinking, what kind of friend are you to say those things? Man, no kidding, right? I, 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 I don't understand that mindset. You know, it's just, it was a different time and it was bizarre. It's unfortunately not too different, but yeah. That's- yeah. Marjorie McKenzie, writing for the Pittsburgh Courier, which is an African-American newspaper, wrote, that picture of Gromek and Doby was unmistakable flesh and blood cheeks pressed close together. Brawny arms tightly clasped, equally wide grins. The chief message of the Dobie Gromet picture is acceptance. So, it, like I said, it went over huge with some people. Other people thought it was terrible. In, in 78, Dobie got named manager of the White Sox. And so he was the second African-American manager after Frank Robinson. And at the time, he talked about the 30-year-old photo, but put himself in Gromek's shoes. And I quote, I don't know what he thought later that night when he went home. But when you win, color sort of disappears because the joy in you comes out at that particular moment. I don't think you have any prejudice, even if it's in you. The joy just takes over. Like I said, Gromek pitched 17 years in the majors, Cleveland and Detroit. Dobie, of course, went on to be a Hall of Famer. Lifetime 56.8 war. 273 career home runs, 288 lifetime batting average, and a 389 lifetime on base percentage. Six-time All-Star and won an MVP in 1952. Not to mention, he was traded for Tito Francona twice. Twice. Tito Sr., obviously. Not right. Yeah, so I just, I wanted to talk about it because it really shows how people could act back then and get away with it. And, and it's upsetting, but in the same manner, you got to love a guy like Steve Gromack, who just didn't care, man. He just was like, yeah, we won. I'm excited. I'm giving the guy a big hug. This was actually a suggestion from a listener to look this up and, and talk about it. So uh, thank you. You know who you are. And uh, that's the story of the great photo of Steve, Steve Gromack and Larry Kobe. I, I'm I'm looking at an interesting table from 1948 to 1956 was essentially those are the years that Doby played in Cleveland. The war ranking of the top 10 players from that time that went to the Hall of Fame. Number one is Stan Musial at 70.9. Then Jackie is a kind of a big drop down to 58 and a half. Then Duke Snyder, Ted Williams, and then Larry Doby was fifth. Ahead of Richie Ashburn, Pee Wee Reese, Yogi Berra, Mickey Mantle, and Ralph Kiner. Not bad company. Yeah. And then Steve Gromack. Yeah, I've never heard of him. And I'm looking at him. Yeah, 17-year career, as you mentioned. I'm looking at his 1954 season, where he went 18 and 16. He led the league in home runs given up with 26, as well as batters hit with 12 yet he still had an ERA of 2.74. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and 252 innings pitched. 
Yeah, it was fun to read about. And Alex B., thank you so much for dropping the suggestion. Thank you for listening to the show. And you say your son's a big fan too. So tell your son hello from us. So in fact, I'll say it. How you doing? Yeah. Thanks for listening, kid. <laughs> Look at that 1948 World Series. That one game he pitched, it was a complete game too. Nine innings, seven hits, just that one run, one yeah. walk, two strikeouts. Yep. And it's like I said, if you pitched a game like that and you were tied at one and you had a guy pop a 425 foot solo home run, you'd want to give him a hug too. Yeah. It looks like uh, he was traded at one point with Ray Boone. One of wow. the, uh, obviously one of the Boone lineage. He, he happens to be the first one. Yeah. Father of Bob, grandfather of Aaron and Brett. Yes. All right. Well, let's let's wrap up the main segment there and let's get into the final segment here. This is where everybody's been sending me well wishes for this one because they know it's just inevitable. Looking at the scoreboard for Wax Packs here, it's 17 to 11. I am three wins away from putting this baby to bed. And it's pretty much a foregone conclusion, but we're going to have to play out the string anyway. It's time for Wax Packs Heroes. All right, Mark, you're down six. I'm three away. We don't really have magic numbers because uh, we just play until somebody wins. Right. You know, I like to think of this as an opportunity for me. You know, the chance to have the biggest comeback in Wax Packs Heroes history. No pressure because everyone's just given me the title already. So there's really no pressure. So we can just play our game and, and not have to worry about all the stress. All right. Well, let's see how that works out now. First of all, if you are new here, this is how we play Wax Packs Heroes. We're going to open up a pack of older baseball cards, not from the Wax Pack era this week. But what we do is we're going to divvy those cards up uh, amongst us and take a look at them. We're going to take a look at the Baseball Reference War of the Year of the Cards, which in this case is 2003 for the player on the card. And we're going to add those. There's a couple of qualifiers that can add or subtract from that total. Uh, If there's anything on the player's face, that means uh, facial hair, uh, it means a teardrop tattoo. If a spider has uh, climbed onto their face and they're unaware of it, or maybe a fly, you know, maybe if that's more likely going to happen, a monocle, anything like that, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point. If it's a good quality mustache, think Jody Reed. There's a name I don't use that often, but he had a great mustache always. We'll give you a bonus extra tenth of a point on top of it. If they're wearing real stirrups where we can see the sanitary socks underneath, that's an extra tenth of a point. But two and ones, uh, we're not such fans of that. So that's a minus a tenth of a point. If they won any awards that year, like Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, a gold glove, or they were an all-star, that is a half a point each. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they are the focus or not, that is an extra point as well. Ricky Henderson shows up on any card, whether it's my pack or Mark's pack, I get five points. If Nolan Ryan shows up the same way, Mark gets those points. Any pop culture references we can easily find, that is a half a point each, unless they were on an episode of The Simpsons, Seinfeld, or Sabrina the Teenage Witch, those are worth one point each. Uh, If they appeared in the Mitchell Report or were suspended for PEDs or other things throughout their career, 
their playing career. That is a minus half a point. And then Mark and I are both going to pick a team. And just like Ricky and Nolan, my team comes up in either pack. I get a half a point. And uh, if Mark's team comes up, he gets half a point. Mark, who are you going to go with this week? Well, in honor of Larry Doby, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Guardians. All right. You know what I am going to do? I am going to go with, I think I'm going to go with the Expos. I was trying to think in 2003, I, I think they were still the Expos. Expos slash Nationals. Fair enough. That. All right. I've got these two packs. We are finishing up this mega pack from 2003 tops. So, uh, Mark, I've got one in my left hand and one in my right hand. I'm going to let you choose which one you would like. Okay. Going right. Going right. All right. I'm going to have you go first. And uh, like I said, these are 2003 cards. So uh, that's what we're going to be looking at the baseball reference war of. All right, Mark, your first card is DH for the California Angels. It's Brad Fulmer. Brad Fulmer. Who I think played for the Expos for a good part of his career, but this is uh, with yeah. the Angels. Yeah. It's eight years in the big leagues, three with Montreal, two with the Angels, two with the Blue Jays, and then one with the Rangers. 2003, I'm guessing he was probably hurt part of the time. Uh, only 63 games, hit 306 with a 387 on base, uh, nine home runs, 35 RBI, five stolen bases. I don't think of Brad Fulmer as a speed demon. <laughs> no. But you say, I say that, but in 2002, he had 10 stolen bases and was only caught thrice. Wow. Did not. Would never have thought of that. Uh, 135 OPS plus, and that is good for a war of 1.3. Hey, it's a positive number. The way I've been going, I'm happy with any positive number. Yeah. This is an awful shot. It's during spring training and he's at bat, but it, it, he's swinging, but his head is down. You can't even see his face. All you can see is the top of his helmet. So nothing there is going to really help you out, get you any points there. Former, interestingly, hit a home run his first major league at bat. Very nice. Not much else much else all right well i mean it's just like you said it's a start in the right direction this week well this is good news for you got a manager card okay uh here he is managing the pirates but also went on for a, just a wonderful career managing the mariners <laughs> uh he's stolen a base as a manager it is lloyd mcclendon i actually really like lloyd mcclendon i like anybody named Lloyd. Get that extra L in there. That's helpful. But who's he playing with in this card? <clears throat> no, he's the manager of the box. Oh, he's manager of the box. Okay. He's got a mustache, so he's going to get you a tenth of a point, at least, out of this deal. Overall, eight years as a player, most of it with the Bucks. Then he went on to manage the Pirates, the Mariners, and also managed eight games for the Tigers in 2020 at the end of the season where he went two and six. I'm guessing somebody got fired there. Yeah. It's funny. I remember this playing the Yankees. He was managing the Mariners and there were check swings by Brett Gardner and Alex Rodriguez. And after the second one, uh, Mike Zanino was not happy with the call at first base saying they were not swings. Zanino got tossed out of the game. Mike DeMuro and Lloyd threw his hat and proceeded to argue with Little, eventually kicking his hat 
running around the diamond to argue with each member of the umpiring crew. I absolutely remember that game as well. I remember just laughing, thinking that was amazing. I mean, he's, I made mention of it, of the, you know, picking the base up and taking it down in the dugout until it, yep. once he was kicked out before. Yeah, he's done. If you look on his Wikipedia page, there is just a whole section called History of Challenging Umpires. That's awesome. All right. So the, you'll get the tenth of a point there for the facial hair, but that's all you're going to get there. Next, we go a pitcher for the Marlins. It's Vladimir Nunez. Vladimir Nunez. I'm going to be honest, don't remember uh, Vladimir. I don't either. But he uh, he pitched for nine years in the big leagues. Uh, five with the Fish, two with the D-backs, two with Atlanta, and then one with Colorado. In 2003 for the Fish, he went 0-3 with a 16.03 ERA. Oh, solid. Jeez. Uh, he pitched 10 and two-thirds innings, gave up 21 hits, 21 runs, 19 of which were earned, seven home runs. He struck out more than he walked, though, so he's got that going for him. All of that equals a 27 ERA plus. That's, that's not good. And I'm that is negative. good for a war of negative 1.6. Killing me, Nunez. Oh, there is nothing on this card, unfortunately, that's going to help you out either. That's, that's really bad. That is going to knock you from a positive 1.4 all the way down to a negative 0.2 after that. That's great. I got five cards to, to go, though, so I'm, I, I still believe in this team. Maybe I shouldn't. That's your closer right there is Vladimir Nunez, so I don't know. And then he went on to become a pitching coach. Interesting. Well, All right. You know, it's one of those things that those that can't do something teach it. Yeah, I guess so. Let's see here. You have got a special card here. It is oh, called nice. Hobby Masters, and it is none other than Pat the ba Pat Burl. Oh, yes. Now, I know he's a first-round draft pick without even looking. I remember that from Pat the Bat. Let's see. He's here from the, uh, well, he's not, from, he wasn't born in the Bay Area, but he went to school here. He went to high school down in San Jose. Let's see. 12 years in the big leagues. Nine with the Phils, two with the Rays, two with the Giants. In 2003 with the Phillies, only hit 209. 309 on base, 21 home runs, 64 RBI, and a 90 OPS plus. You know, he had some good years. He That's had just some really good years. <laughs> wow. I mean, he received MVP votes twice. He was came in fourth in Rookie of the Year in the year 2000. He had 92 career home runs, and I get the year where he hit, what, 21? Yeah. I mean, he had a couple of years where he hit over 30, a couple of years where he had over 100 RBI. But no, not for you. You're going to end up with a uh, war of 0.7. He was in the ponder. You got something I'm there. I'm back out from under. Yeah. Under the zero, so. Nothing else on this card is going to help you out with anything. He did win two World Series in 2008 and 2010 with the Phillies and the Giants, respectively. Like I said, first round draft pick by the Phillies in 1998. I know this as whenever he would come through Atlanta, famous for uh, giving out his phone number on uh, baseballs to certain fans in the stands. Yeah, I'm sure that they were all just friends of his. Probably. Yeah, Pat had an English bulldog named Elvis. 
and was featured in the Phillies' 08 World Series Parade. Sadly, Elvis passed away in September of 2014. Yeah, well, at least he got the parade. He did. Most dogs don't get to be in a parade. No. <laughs> My dogs have yet to be in a parade. Mine as well. Maybe we should start our own. We'll have the Two Strike Noise Parade. It will feature dogs. All right. So you're at positive 0.5. You have three cards left here to make up some space here. <laughs> I feel like I'm in trouble again. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you. Looking through here, <laughs> so as I said, these are the these are this is a big pack of of tops 2003. So we've divvied it up. We've divided it up over two shows. We're at the back of that pack where you get these weird cards like the Hobby Masters. You also get a lot of manager cards. You already had one. Just keep that in mind. I meant to say I wanted the left pack. Your second manager card of the pack is Phillies manager Larry Boa. Can I have like the best year of his career or something? Um, no. Okay. Well, well let's let me look up his playing career here. Um, no, because uh, in 1978 for the Phillies, came in third in the MVP validating, won a Gold Glove, was an All Star, had a 5.8 WAR. I thought he might have had something like that, yeah. Yeah, hit 294, let's see, three home runs, 43 RBI, 27 stolen bases. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and just have you stick with the manager card. These these manager cards, man. We got to do something about them. Although I did once pull out of a pack a Dusty Baker autograph manager card. Oh, nice. Well, and well, that was cool. Any of these managers end up in the Hall of Fame, you get that as well. So, I mean, it's it is- true. Let's see, he managed two teams. He managed the Padres in 87 and 88, and then uh, they took over the Phillies in 2001, all the way through 2004, uh, where he was a manager of the year uh, for one of those and also won a World Series. So not too bad. Not so bad. Uncle of Nick Johnson. Really? I did not know this. Yeah, I remember Nick Johnson was a first baseman, came up with the Yankees. In yeah. the 2000s, played with the Expos slash Nationals, and then uh, kicked around. Had a 10-year career overall, but I was unaware of that of that family connection. Both of them are from Sacramento, so up here, down here, oh, okay. I guess, relative to you, my part of the woods. All right, so you are at positive 0.5. You, you didn't garner any points there. Now, <laughs> you'll get some points here, not a whole lot. But what you're also going to do is you're going to give me five points right off the bat. I don't have this card in my collection, by the way. Well, you do now. I do now. It is a record breakers card for none other than Ricky Henderson. He is pictured here in a Red Sox uniform where they are hearkening back to his 1982 season where he stole 130 bases. I did not know that. But uh, this is... It's kind of weird that they would put him in a picture wearing a Red Sox jersey when they're talking about his 1982 season, where he was obviously with Oakland. But let's see here for you. He has got a mustache because he always had a mustache and he is a Hall of Famer. So right there, you are up uh, 1.1. So Ricky is already your, your top point getter so far. Yeah, by far. Uh, let's see. I know he didn't put up great numbers uh, with the Red Sox. And in fact, uh, 2002, he spent with the Red Sox. 2003, his final year in the big leagues 
at age 44 with the Dodgers, where he spent 30 games there. He only hit 208, 321 on base. Uh, let's see, two home runs. I remember, I remember those. In fact, I have them clipped uh, from YouTube somewhere on my hard drive. Uh, five RBI, three stolen bases, caught stealing zero. Well, there you go. So uh, stolen bases number 1404, five, and six. And I remember the final one. It was on ESPN. Uh, overall, that is only a 70 OPS plus, And uh, you'll still get positive there at 0.2 war. Well, the way things have been going, I appreciate a point too. Yeah. Now I'm going to definitely go ahead and just give you the pop culture references. I mean, plenty of them. He's been in a Pepsi commercial. He was in a Rolaids commercial, Mizuno ads. He had a Costco Brothers uh, poster, actually a couple of them, uh, you know, plenty of pop culture references. Supposedly wrote a book, uh, recently had another one written about him. I mean, there's songs about him. There's some weird people have even created web pages dedicated to him. I've heard. And named pets after him. And uh, pretty much had every part of their life kind of re related somehow to him. Only the real weirdos. Only the real weirdos, yeah. But I again, this makes me so happy when I pull a Ricky Henderson card. It gives me joy. Especially since well, I don't have this one. You be joyful and take those points. Uh, I will, but you just remind me to add them when I when I start my. Well, here I'll I'll ask you. Do you want me to add them uh, to mine, or do you want me to minus them from yours? No, add them to yours. I need every point <laughs> okay. I can get. I don't want to be too embarrassed. All right. Well, you definitely do because you've got your third manager card. Oh my gosh! Now uh, I do not remember Jimmy Williams managing the Astros, but here he is. When I think of Jimmy Williams as a manager, I think the, the Blue Jays are definitely the first team I think of. Then the Red Sox. I did not know he managed the Astros for three seasons, 2002 through 2004. Didn't make it the whole way through 2004. Ended up with a 219. Oh, he had a 215 and 197 record with Houston. So not, not too bad. Um, let's see. As a player which is something I know nothing about Jimmy Williams as a player. Two years uh, in the big leagues, he was a shortstop, second baseman, pinch runner. So he played a lot. <laughs> well, overall, 14 games over those two years. A 231 average, uh, both of them for the Cardinals. No home runs, one RBI, and a 47 OPS plus and a war of minus 0.2 for his career. But, you know what? He played in the big leagues. So he's, he's gone farther than either of us. Yes, definitely. All right. Your final card is not a manager card. Yes. So good for you. Uh, a pitcher, a closer, I'm fairly certain. Uh, here with the D-backs, Miguel Batista. Okay. Okay. He played for a few teams. Yeah. Won a World Series with the D-backs in 2001. I, I definitely remember him. As a D-back, but my God, you're right. 18 years in the big leagues. This is a big, immaculate grid guy. Yes. If you can remember this. So he we'll, is a cheat code, baby. He is. Uh, four with the D-backs. Four with the Nationals. Three with Seattle. Two with the Mets. Two with Toronto. And then one apiece for the Royals, Bucks, Atlanta, Birds, Cubs, and Fish. A lot of wildlife there, right? I mean, he's got a, a, a snake. 
a Blue Jay, a, a Cardinal, a Cub, and a, and a Marlin. It's a lot of stuff. 2003, though, he was with the D-backs, went 10-9 and nine with a 3.54 ERA. No saves. Looks, I guess he was only really a closer for one season, and that was with the Blue Jays in 2005. <laughs> I, I thought I remembered him closing for the D-backs, but I guess not. 193 innings pitched, 142 strikeouts. That is an ERA plus of 132. And that will get you a war of a positive 4.3. No kidding. Wow. Wow, that's better than Ricky. He saves us. Yeah, let's see. On this card, he's got his pants down all the way and he looks clean shaven. So he doesn't have his pants down all the way. <laughs> well, it's the bottoms of them are. Let me. Oh, I get you. Okay. Thank yeah. you for correcting me on that one. Let's see. Once traded for Henry Roan Gardner. No, I'm sorry. That's Henry Rodriguez. That's my. Because it was to the Cubs. So I thought that maybe that was where Rookie of the Year got their whole story from. But I guess not. Uh, do you have memories of him with the Mariners? You know, I remember he was really good in interviews. Real smart guy. Um, he even wrote a couple of books. Hey, do I get pop culture references for books? Well, let's see. Since the books are poetry and philosophy, yeah. <laughs> wow. How many other baseball players have loved poetry and philosophy? You're like three. Oh, let's see. He also wrote Through the Eyes of the Law, a thriller about a serial killer. Nice. wonder if it was a teammate that he had had somewhere. Uh, all right, Mark. So this was not your best pack again. 7.1. 7.1. I got to hope for you to get all manager cards. You've seen your pack that uh, is not, not uh, something that uh, is impossible. Let me say that. But I don't think I'm going to get a Ricky Henderson. But I do get to start out with a plus five for your Ricky card. Yes, you do. So I'm more than halfway there. I'll take that. Yeah, plenty. All right. So my first card, believe it or not, is a manager. <laughs> but I'm going to score here with it because it is manager for the D-backs, Bob Brenly, who happens to have a mustache and is wearing glasses. Well, you got some points. Yeah. Have <laughs> a manager card. I mean, there's nothing more exciting than opening baseball packs and getting manager cards. Really kind of the pinnacle. It's, it's why we collect. Uh, let's see. First of all, let's go over his career as a player, a catcher for nine years, most of it with the Giants and then a final year with Toronto at the end of his career. Overall, let's see, a 247 batting average, 330 on base, 91 home runs, 333 RBI, and a career war of 12.7. Yeah, pretty decent manager over there. Yeah, won a World Series uh, with the D-backs. Only managed for four years, though. Mm -hmm. Kind of surprised he didn't get another any other offers. Or maybe he didn't, didn't want to manage anymore. I don't know. But I think he's doing TV. I think he's been doing, I want to say he's a Cubs broadcaster. But I, I don't know that because I can't stand Cubs broadcasts. <laughs> I don't Do you, like the marquee network at all. You watch them on mute? Uh, no, I just watch the visiting, uh, you know, the visiting oh, broadcast. See. Even though I like Shambi, what's his name? Boog? Boog Shambi? I like him, but I just, I don't, I just don't like the way they do games and I don't like Bob Brenly. 
And I think he's, I think he's their color guy. Gotcha. Oh yeah. I remember Bob Brenly, one of the boomer broadcasters. And it says here he's, maybe he's doing it with the, with the, uh, the D-backs. I remember he was one of the guys that complained about the guys wearing too much jewelry and too many chains. The important stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bike chain around his neck. I mean, there's probably another reason why I don't like Bob Brenly. He's kind of the epitome of a boomer. But nothing here is going to help me out other than the the glasses and the, the facial hair. But I will take that. That's a, a, at least a start. Uh, next, I have got a pitcher for Atlanta. It is Andy Marte. Ooh, I, the name kind of looks familiar, but I really don't remember him. Uh, seven years in the big leagues, five with Cleveland, and then one with uh, Arizona, one with Atlanta. 2003, he didn't make his big league debut until 2005. So, uh, yeah, there's nothing else on this card that's going to help me out at all either. So, really, that's uh, not much of a help. Let's see, in 2003, he was playing for Myrtle Beach in high A ball. So, not even sniffing it. Also went on to play in the KBO for two years for the KT Wiz and then in the Dominican League as well, all the way back in 2017. So not all the way back, just back. Uh, Right. Recent. Did you read, did you, did you read about how he passed away? Oh no, I have not. He was killed in a car crash in Dominican Republic. He had crashed into a house. And the weird thing is, he's a team member of the Aguias Sibane. I'm not going to try and say that. He was a team member uh, of Giordano Ventura, who died in a separate car crash in the Dominican Republic that day. Wow, the same day? Yeah. Wow, that is uh, that is strange. I, and I'm sure probably the looking back on it, that the Giordano Ventura death was probably reported more on, just as he was an established player. Yes. Very sad. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, this is not helping me at all. Uh, no. Depressing cards. Um, okay. Here's a guy. Plays for Cleveland. I, I know we've talked about him because I, I like this guy because he's a, he's a relief pitcher and uh, not a farm accident, but he had a deformed hand, which helped him. He was missing the tip of one of his fingers and it helped his pitches. Bob Wickman. The Wickman. Teen years in the big leagues. He's a right-hander too. You would think with that long of a career, but. No, he ended up with 267 saves. Wow. Led the league in 2005 with 45 for Cleveland. And uh, just great news for me, missed 2003 with an, with an injury. Oh, you're getting my kind of cards now. <laughs> yeah, your 7.1 is looking a lot better. He does have facial hair on here, though, so I will get the 10th the of a point here for that. Uh, says oh, he says he credited much of the motion on his sinker. To missing part of his index finger. There you go. Oh, he's traded to the Yankees for Steve Sachs at one point. Hmm. That almost got you uh, pop culture points, but didn't. Well, yeah. And remember, Steve Sachs is one of the golden boys, having been on both Sabrina the Teenage Witch yes. and The Simpsons. Pop culture captain. Yeah. Let's see. Some other names he had been involved, traded for, or with Gerald Williams, Pat Listash, Graham Lloyd, Ricky Bonus, Jason Beret, Richie Sexton. And Marco Scudero. Wow, we could call him oft-traded. 
Yeah. And for a lot of names that we, we talk about around these here parts. So Wickman made his first all-star game appearance in 2000 when he was a member of the Milwaukee Brewers. He was uh, traded, though, to the Indians, and uh, the Brewers chose to seal a whole Bob Wickman poster night without him. <laughs> so if you've got one, it could be a collector's item. Could be, yeah. All right. So uh, again, I'm not racking up the points here quickly, but okay. Uh, okay. Well, this one might help me. Season highlight card. And it is the picture of the Yankees, a bunch of them celebrating on the pitcher's mound. It says, let's see, this card is for Jason Giambi. And it says, Ruthie and Slam beats Twins in extra innings. Uh, um, let's see, May 17th, 2002, Giambi batted in the bottom of the 14th with the Yankees trailing Minnesota 12 to 9. Bases juiced. Jason was too. Blasted one high into the dark, drizzling sky, uh, and it was uh, a, a grand slam to walk him off. So I'll take that. I'm trying to see if there's any Hall of Famers on this card. I see Ruben Sierra, not a Hall of Famer. I don't see anybody else. I see, yeah, nobody else. I don't see Jeter. Let me put it that way. So we're going to go with Jason Giambi, the Giambino. You are, you are going to get the steroid points. Negatives. Oh, yeah. You can you can count on that. Let's see. 2003, he was an all-star. So that'll wipe out the, uh, there you go. the Mitchell Report steroid thing. Uh, led the league in walks and strikeouts. 250 average, 412 on base. Nice. Let's see. 41 home runs, 107 RBI, and a 148 OPS+. Plus. And Ouch. that is good for a war of 4.8. Oi. No mustache. Even though he could wear mustache slinkies, no mustache here. Wow. In 2001, his final year with the A's, 9.2 war. Nice. I, I loved him, and he said he wanted to be an A and cried and said that's where he wanted to be, and then he signed with the Yankees like a week after, so. Yeah. <laughs> One of the nicest guys I ever worked with, too. I, I've i told the story where when I was interning in Salt Lake with the Salt Lake buzz at that point, when the Tacoma Rainier, or Tacoma Tigers came through town and Bob Robertson, play-by-play -play guy who was the Washington State radio guy. And so I went and introduced myself and he let me come in and, and call an inning with him. That was when Giambi was on that the, the Tacoma Tigers there, I remember specifically. Yep, absolutely. I, he was cool. He would ask me what was going on in life, how my my classes were going. He's just a good guy. Yeah, I have seen nothing other than him being really cool, but I've always kind of had a chip on my shoulder after he cried saying how he loved Oakland, and then he signed with the Yankees and said it had always been his dream to play New York. Sheath. Yeah, those kind of contrast one another. Yeah, but I know Ace fans still like him. He's been a he's been a coach at Ace Fantasy Camp before. Oh, let's see. Appeared as the featured athlete on the cover of several video games. Ooh, there also you go. appeared in the Bronx is Burning TV drama about the Yankees, and was a playable character in Backyard Baseball 2001. Nice. So I'm gonna have to give myself some pop culture reference there. Definitely. All right. Moving on, I am now at 10.6 with four cards left. 
You're going to have to get some really bad players, man. Yeah, well, if it helps, I've got a manager card. <laughs> that does help. It's Mike Sosha. <laughs> Mike Nova Sosha. Now, oh, Mike Sosha was on The Simpsons. <laughs> All right. Look, Sosha first is a baseball player, two-time All-Star, won two World Series Let's see, with the Dodgers as a player, 1981 and, of course, 1988. We don't talk about that. Overall, let 13 years in the big leagues, all of it with the Dodgers, 259 average, 344 on base, 68 home runs, 446 RBI, and a lifetime 26.1 war. First round draft pick by the Dodgers in 1976. As a manager, he had a very... Very, very long tenure with the Angels. Uh, started in 2000 when they were the Anaheim Angels. Uh, stayed with them uh, in 2005 when they became the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And then in 2016 was still with them when they became the Los Angeles Angels. And then was finally canned after the 2018 season. Overall, 19 years as the skipper of the Angels. A 1650 win record with 1,428 losses and one World Series title. Not bad. No, you can't complain too much. Although he did. Big complainer. He, he did on occasion like to let his, uh, like to let it be known that he disagreed. And you know what? He, I don't, not sure how well he would fare as a manager with mound visits being a thing. He would make so many pitching changes. It, it would drive me nuts. I hated working games when he was there. Speaking oh, of which, yeah. did you see that they're taking away a mound visit this year? I saw that. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Oh, wow. Sosha made a second appearance on The Simpsons beyond the Homer at the Bat episode in the Money Bart episode. Hmm. Where... <laughs> It references the Homer at the Bat episode where he got nuclear radiation poisoning, and he tells Marge and Bart that it gave him superhuman managing powers. Okay. Apparently That's also great. does commercials for Howard's Appliance and Big Screen Superstore in Southern California, which if wow. you watch Angels games, you'll see them advertised in Angel Stadium quite often. Yeah, I see it is I see he spent he was attending Penn State University working towards a computer science degree, which also aligns with me. I used to be working towards a computer science degree. And then I had to take a calculus class. So I switched to poli sci. Um, all right. So my neck, my next card. Wow. Now this might seem like it is, it's been rigged. It is, I have not rigged this at all. I finally, frankly, find it humorous that I used to lose every single time. Uh, but here I have got a pitcher for uh, Cleveland, CC Sabathia. Which what, what did you tell me CC stood for? During the holidays, it's a candy cane. Ah, uh, yes, candy cane. And uh, there, there's Yo Johan Santa. Oh shoot, I forgot. You know, one of our longtime listeners sent us an additional list of uh, of holiday names, which was great, and I forgot to put it in this show. So we're going to put a pin in that. I'm going to I'm going to make sure that in our next show, read this because he came up with some really good ones that we missed out on, obviously. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to that. Let's see. CC, Bay Area guy. I like it. 
still does a lot of stuff here in the Bay Area. 19 years in the big leagues, 11 with the Yankees, 8 with Cleveland, 1 with Milwaukee. 2003, he was an all-star. That's good news for me. With Cleveland, 13-9 and with the 3.6 ERA. 197 innings pitched, 141 strikeouts, and a 122 ERA+. Plus. And that will equal a war of 3.7. Who's he playing with on the card? Cleveland. Ah, oh, wait, that's your team. Yeah, so that's going to be a minus half a point for me. Ooh. I'll take anything I can get. Yeah, it's not going to help. I'm just telling you that right now. I know. It's maybe less embarrassing. <laughs> Nothing on this card that I can see that uh, is going to help me out. Cy Young Award winner in 2007, six-time All-Star. In 2009, won a World Series with the Yankees. And a first-round draft pick by Cleveland in 1998. I seem to I seem to think he's probably got some pop culture reference. I see him on TV doing some, you know, commentary as well. Oh, he's a member of the Black Aces, isn't he? I think he is. I think so, yeah. He's got a field in Cleveland dedicated to him, the CC Sabathia Field at Luke Easter Park. Of course, Luke Easter. I was he probably knew Larry Doby. Wasn't wasn't Luke Easter in the uh, Negro Leagues and then Cleveland? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Oh, I know CC Sabathia. He uh, hosts a podcast. Yeah, the R2C2 podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you know he's cool. Uh, yeah, any podcast. Any, if you well, got not a, any, but... Yeah, if you got a podcast, you're pretty... But yeah, yeah. grew up in Fairfield, California, which is uh, where I grew up. But I'm assuming I, I had moved away. Because otherwise, we would have been best friends. Sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm at 13.8 with two cards left. And remember that five points I got for you getting the Ricky Henderson card? Yes. This pack has two Ricky Henderson cards in it. Jeez. I love it. Just pour it on, man. I get excited if I get a Ricky Henderson card. I got two in one pack. This is just his normal player card here with the Red Sox. So I'll get those five points. He is a Hall of Famer, believe it or not. And he's got eye black on. I can't see his mustache. Uh, it's kind of far away. So, you know, I'll take it easy on you and I'll just take the eye black. Also, the pop culture references I'm going to go ahead and take there as well. We've already gone over his numbers for this year. Let's see. 2003, his final year, he ended up with a war of points two. So overall, that'll take me up to 20.6 with oh, one card left. by me, man. You eat by me. You're at 7.1. I feel pretty confident, even though my last card is a manager. Plenty of these today. Wow. How many manager cards can you stack into a pack and still charge people for? Seriously. <laughs> this one with the uh, twins, it's Ron Gardenhire. Of course. First of all, as a player, I remember Ron because in Keith Hernandez's book went on first, he talked about him as a teammate. He played five years in the big leagues, all of it with the Mets from 81 through 85, mainly a shortstop, could kind of play anywhere in the infield. Overall, a career 232 average, 277 on base, four home runs, 49 RBI, and a career war of positive 0.8. Managed forever. Yes. He was a longtime manager of the uh, Minnesota Twins, 
uh, once manager of the year overall in 13 years uh, with the Twins and then three years with the Tigers from uh, 2018 through 2020. Overall, a career record of 1,200 wins, even 1,280 losses. Yeah, he is one of those. He's one of those Minnesota managers. You just manage forever when you go there. Yeah, did he? He replaced Tom Kelly, who had yes. managed there forever yes. as well. Yeah. Kind of interesting. His son, Toby, has managed the Twins Triple A affiliate St. Paul Saints since 2021. Wow. All right. That is the end of my pack. Uh, a 20 point. Oh, he's got, he's got a mustache. I'm going to forego the mustache bonus there. 20.6 compared to your 7.1. And uh, that will put me even closer. It is now 18 to 11. You've just gotten much better at this game than you used to. I've be. been practicing, man. Since I have been playing in a league every week now, I've gotten much better. Of course. All right. That's going to wrap up the uh, Wax Packs Heroes for this show. Also going to wrap up the show. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for uh, joining us, listening once again. A uh, Not so much a reminder because I haven't mentioned it yet this show, but we are going to be off next week. I'm going to uh, be going to A's Fantasy Camp. We will not be recording a show. I'm going to tell you about our social media, though. You probably know all about it. It's at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise everywhere. Anywhere there's social media, you punch that in, you're going to come up with our, our show. You can also find us on Facebook. I am going to be posting uh, a lot more than I did last year. Last year, I was like a, a deer in headlights. You know, I'm, I'm at Fantasy Camp. All my favorite players are there. I'm playing, having a good time. I think I'm going to be able to do a lot more and uh, I'll post a lot more. So uh, if you don't follow us already, make sure to go ahead and do that. And uh, also, uh, if you do follow us, uh, keep an eye out for that. It'll probably mainly be on Instagram and threads. I might throw it on Facebook as well. I try to stay off of Twitter, but everybody still seems to be there. So might be posting there as well. But be on the lookout for that. Also, if you want to send us things like your I did not know or I'm too afraid to ask questions about baseball or story ideas, anything like that, we have an email address that Mark likes to take care of. We made it very difficult for you. It's twostrikenoise at gmail.com. Do we also have three strike noise just and one strike noise just to be safe? No, those are taken by oh. much more popular podcasts. Oh, yes. <laughs> That three strike noise podcast is always pulling pranks on us. Yeah, those guys. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. We will see you again in two weeks, more than likely. I'm not sure when, but as soon as I get back, we'll record a show. And we'll see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 